Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets, you name it. If it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month. Uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. So check them out, noboringdesign.com, noboringdesign.com. Welcome to season three of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season three is brought to you by Chargebee. Chargebee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize the growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right. Well, let's do it. We're live. At least you and I are. People listening aren't um, for another episode. I'm really excited to have you on the show. We have Shane Murphy Reuter, um, known today as the CMO at Zoom Info. But I mean, shit, you're an advisor at Sendoso. You were an SVP of marketing at Intercom. You led marketing at Adroll. So, I mean, you've people probably know your name just or, or, or where you've been just by your name. But uh, anyway, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. I'm not sure people quite know who I am yet. I'm not quite at the level of like the, the Gerhards of the world where everybody knows them. But who knows, a few more of these episodes. And uh, yeah, yeah, the, I'll be there. Yeah, we go. name. That's what's going to do it. It's best in SaaS, 100%. Just rockets you to the top. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, listen, I, you know, knowing you a bit, I think this episode is going to be really fantastic because we are going to focus in on this thing that happens to mature organizations or organizations that are maturing really quickly when they go from being known as a single product, single market to multi-product and multi-market and, and that whole shift and just everything that has to change as a result of that. And I know from your experience, you've been through this a number of times now and are probably getting to be known for it. So talk to me about that. I mean, what was your first experience with making that shift? Yeah, my first experience was definitely when I was at AdRoll and, and I'd never really, I'd never grappled with it, with it before. And prior to AdRoll, I'd been at companies where they were already scaled. I started my career in Orange, which is like a telecoms company in the UK, but I was junior, you know, I was at a company called Paddy Power as well. Uh, and you know, they'd already gone through it. And so I'd never really been through it. And, but I'd seen sort of the outcome from su successful businesses, how they'd done it. And then when I was at AdRoll, we were, we were very much a single product, single market. We were retargeting, going after the e-commerce market, right? Selling shoes, you want to retarget those shoes, you use AdRoll. And we were very much known for that. But like most companies, I think, you got to keep growing, right? You got to, you want IPO, you got to be at that 30% uh, growth continuously. And you got to have that, you know, positive net revenue retention. And so you got to have products that you cross sell 
uh, into the base. And every company goes through this. So like what, what, what new products can we either launch to our existing market? So like if we're you know, selling to salespeople, what new products can we sell to them? Or they go after totally new markets. And almost every single company I've seen go through it has done the product work to figure that out. Um, you know, you, you come up, you figure out what, what's the need, you build a product and then you take it to market and you probably do like a press release and you, you do, you know, some, an event, you do whatever and you get it out there and it's like, oh, and it doesn't really sort of grab because you haven't done the foundational work to realize, well, wait a second, now we need to um, do a few things uh, quite differently. Like we're, we're now no longer our brand, you know, so ad role is synonymous with retargeting. We now need to sell something else. It cannot be synonymous with retargeting. It needs to be known for something else. Like my favorite example of this, I think, is, is Tesla. Like day one, they were just, their brand was about innovation and sustainable energy. That's it. So it was totally natural for them to go from like roadster, multiple cars, batteries, panels on your roof. When most, if they had started and built their whole brand around a roadster, they would be in serious trouble. And so that's probably like the first thing that I think people get wrong is not thinking about all of the changes that need to happen to how you position yourself and then also operationally to make that succeed. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, it's funny. I've heard you say this thing before you call it like Miley moment. Is that what you call it? When these brands have that, yeah. you describe it, you describe it. Yeah. So Miley moment is like, I think so what is a Miley moment? I use the term because uh, Miley Cyrus at the VMAs is one of the most amazing rebranding moments anybody's ever gone through. Hannah Montana, literally in the space of a five-minute performance, was no longer Hannah Montana, right? And I think sometimes it happens with brands, and I will say that actually this is, this is what ha has happened at Zoom Info, and it's the main thing I'm working on right now. The product and the vision of the CEO gets way ahead of the brand. Um, and like, if you think about, well, actually Miley Cyrus, that's what happened. Like Hannah Montana was so far away from what she wanted to be. The idea of iterating to that new thing is that you can try it, but you'll, you, you'll fail. People won't notice, you know? Um, uh, and so you've got to create this moment in the market where you flip. And I love, there's some amazing examples of it. MailChimp went from being an email provider to a growth platform. They had a whole campaign and they kind of made fun of their own name, you know? Let us help you grow your business uh, so that you outgrow your name as well. You know, all this stuff. Um, and that was in, around 2018. Zendesk in 2016 did this whole thing where they went away from the Buddha, from help desk, so like this full customer support platform. And then this whole relationships are complicated campaign, total re, re, new brand identity. That was their Miley moment. Um, and actually, SurveyMonkey, and uh, if you haven't spoken to Leela um, over at SurveyMonkey, the CMO there, she's incredible. Uh, they had theirs last week where they rebranded to Momentive.ai or Momentive AI. Um, and I think it happens, as I said, when the product vision just gets a way uh, out ahead of where the brand is. And like for Zoom Info, I'm struggling with that right now because like Info is in the name. People see right. it as a, a data, data provider. We provide so much more than that. People on the call are probably going, really? No, we actually do. Um, and so... You know, I, I'm working towards our own Miley moments and trying to plan that out. And like, how do we actually get people to understand that we're something very different? I don't think we'll change our name. I think we'll make the decision that MailChimp did or Salesforce did where they left the thing in the name. But there's a, a ton of other levers that we can pull to create that real shift in the market that we need to figure out.
you need to get your lasso out and just like, you know, wrap it around Henry and pull him back in like, Hey, stop running so fast ahead out there. You know, <laughs> that's well, yeah, no, God. Yeah. There's no way you're going to s- slow that one down. you know, it's what makes a company so successful. And like any marketer that tries to slow down their CEO is not going to last long. And so your job, I think as a marketer is to, uh, rather than lasso the CEO, build a fast horse and keep, keep up. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's exciting. Um, but yeah, I think, I, as I said, I think the, the risk, which I've seen so many brands go through is just uh, either not keeping up with the CEO or the vision. And if they, or if they don't, not realizing they got to have that, that flip over. I remember, uh, I remember it must've been 2011, maybe 2012. I was at the at Dreamforce and Henry and I were in the line together getting sandwiches at like the like the shittiest level of food that's that is existing at Dreamforce down in like the pit. You know, we're all just like working the show, the show booths, eating sandwiches back when it was Discover Org. And I I remember when he rang the bell this year and the team just like being so blown away, so impressed by everything that you know he and the team have accomplished. So uh what a cool story. All right, back to back to Miley moments. So talk to me about, I mean all of the things that fall out of having this moment, like how do you even begin to think about teams and like org structure? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So like, you know, let's assume that you've figured out your mighty moment and maybe you do a new brand identity, maybe you rename the company, maybe you do a launch event, maybe you do a bunch of new content to reposition yourself. So let's assume that you've gone done that and you've got to a point where, yeah, our brand, uh, our brand and our product marketing now matches where the actual vision of the company is. That's great. Um, the other thing that, uh, starts to become hard is um, how do you actually organize the marketing team around all of these competing priorities? Um, and like the, I'm about to get like textbook theory here, um, but typically speaking, your marketing teams and other teams and companies start with a functional org design, meaning that you organize yourself by functions. So content marketing, like digital marketing, web, uh, comms, you know, they're all the functions of marketing. Um, and what they... And that's great when you've got one market because the CEO is set, or the CMO essentially is the person that's creating the strategy for that and, and tying all those things together. But now, like, you know, I think at ZoomInfo, we have about five different markets that we're going after. And suddenly I've got like a sales team saying, hey, Shane, what's, where are the recruiter leads? What's the plan for the recruiter market? What's our international plan? Or what's our plan for like the sales engagement market? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, who am I giving this ball to? <laughs> um, and so like, the, again, back to the textbook theory is like long, long, you know, very sort of um, mature businesses end up in a more market uh, based um, organizational structure where maybe I'm the CMO and I've got four or five different CMOs reporting into me, all who have fully formed marketing teams. But that's like you're talking Salesforce scale. So what you do in the interim is like this kind of like a matrix approach where you start to bring in these, and some people call them offering managers or just like a sort of a planning person who's going to take ownership for each market and be, okay, I've got the ball for that market. I'm going to work on the strategy. I'm going to work across the different functions to pull together the plan. Maybe you have dedicated people in each of those teams to that market, but they still roll up functionally. So you've got centers of excellence. So that one is like a classic mistake for going after new markets is that they don't wrap your head around that. 
And as a result, you just um, not only kind of, you just get like spread too thin across different things and never get any of them sort of right. Um, so yeah, that's another one that right now I'm looking at at Zoom Info is how do I reorganize the team around, around that? You think it's possible for leaders early on to separate their brand from their product enough that they don't have to, it's so it's such that it's not a, as big of a lift or do you think you have to be all in in the early days and you shouldn't create that separation and then just cross that bridge when you're fortunate enough to have the problem of, of you know, when you, when you cross, when you get there? Uh, yeah. Well, look, I think, I think any, no matter how early you're starting, I think that you should be setting your brand vision well into the future and having it stand for something that is so aspirational that you can build product into that thing. And so like, for example, at Intercom, and actually, you know, Owen tells the story, Owen McCabe, who was the one of the founders of coming up with that, that kind of mission, which was to make internet business personal. And so theoretically, and, and they did that, they decided, well, the, the a big opportunity to do that is in this like launching of a, you know, modern chat service rather than using email and forms. Um, but that, that mission gives them enough space um, to build into. Um, and I think what the, the, the challenge with, with Intercom is that they, they had that, but it was very internal facing and they didn't build much like thought leadership or sort of like uh, brand equity in that. Um, and so it still became a bit of a challenge. But you know, I use Tesla as an example. You know, if you listen to Elon Musk, he is <laughs> constantly telling the like SpaceX, it's about getting to Mars. Like he is thinking so <laughs> far ahead that it's like, well, of course, I'll just like get put up a few satellites first, then we'll do this, then we'll do this because we're going to Mars. And I do think that any startup founder should, because I presume that they're ambitious, um, ensure that they are creating a brand story that is aspirational enough that will give a space for them to grow the product portfolio into and make sure that they're investing in that brand, st brand story externally so that when they do it, it makes sense. And so, yeah, I would start from day zero, uh, figuring out that separation between brand and product. Elon is listening to this pod face palming right now he's like damn it i just pigeonholed my whole my pigeonholed myself into only getting to mars <laughs> exactly exactly yeah oh man uh amazing all right so before we get on to the second half of this episode i'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at mattermade for those of you who don't know them mattermade helps some of the fastest growing b2b SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams we're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now let's get back to the episode. So here's a question for you, is, and I feel comfortable asking this question because you've been so successful in doing this every time that you've you've gone about it. So what, what keeps you up at night? Like what, you know, you've done this really well each time you've, you've been set up to the challenge. What right now in your current state is this thing that, that follows you around? You're like, man, we better not mess up this one part. Yeah. Like, do I think I've done it well? Um, I actually was thinking of setting up my own podcast called Confessions of a CMO and like <laughs> having CMOs come on and like anonymously talk about you know, how uh, their real feelings as a CMO about how hard it is. 
I will say this. So I've been kind of like leading marketing teams now for, you know, kind of, I don't know, about eight years. Um, I don't think there's been one day where I felt like, man, I'm, I, I'm nailing this. And, and I would say that 50% of the days I felt like I'm actually kind of shitting the bed a bit. Um, and I think the reason, and you can see that in the stats on like CMOs are the, the shortest serving members on exec teams, you know. And I think the reason for that is, and what keeps me up at night, marketing is an incredibly broad and diverse discipline. Uh, we are expected to be very financially literate, very analytical, very technolo- technologically minded. We need to be able to run the digital side of the house, market operations, but also looking at press releases and knowing what like copy lands, thinking about Miley moments and brand strategy, looking at a you know launch video and understanding like, is this creative and pops? And I think the biggest challenge is knowing the um, balance to put on each of those things. So for example, at ZoomInfo, I might spend a week thinking about the Miley moment stuff, working with the team. And then suddenly like, the, the CRO is on me saying, hey, well, what happened to, to our lead gen? Sorry about the dog. Um, uh, what happened to the lead gen last week? Um, and actually at ZoomInfo would be what happened to the lead gen yesterday. We're, we're so like daily on it. We're, we're so daily on it that it's, it's like, you know, every day you have to be on, on that. And I think it's, the, the challenge is, as I said, knowing where to focus. Um, I think, you know, as a more junior CMO, also knowing where to develop your talents, like how do you become good enough at all of those areas that you can add value? And when, you know, a CEO or somebody comes to you, you're able to actually like grab hold of something and improve it. Um, so I think that's the biggest challenge. And, you know, I will also say that my advice to any other CMOs com- coming up, and this is advice that I would like give myself, is making sure that you're aligning what you enjoy doing in marketing and that you're talented at marketing with the strategy of the company and what the CEO wants. Um, like some companies are very much brand brand first. Um, some companies are absolutely demand first. All different strategies uh, can work. They're like, you know, soccer teams. Some soccer teams are all about muscle and pace and go. Some soccer teams are all about skill, tap it around and then score the goal. Companies are the same. And you just want to make sure that as a, as a marketer, as a leader, that you're matching your own uh, sort of approach to it with the company and, and where they're going. And so anyway, I've kind of gone off track. I think to back to your original question, what keeps me up at night, it's, it changes every week. But the broad thing that keeps me up is like, am I appropriately ensuring that all of those different areas of marketing are delivering at like the best in class that they can. And that is a very, very hard thing to do given how sort of diverse and and broad the discipline is, you know? I love that. That's a, that's a, a question that our team has built into our culture around like whenever you're about, it's kind of a riff on what you just said, where it's whenever we're about to ship something, ask our, asking ourselves and asking our team members, like, is this the best of that thing that you've ever shipped in your career. And like, if not, what's the one, like, even if it's a 1% increase or 2% increase, like what, how can we push it just a little, a little bit further? I, I think that's the only way you can get better. So as we wrap this up, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you are at the top of the game right now, and I'm sure to you, there's even a higher mountain to climb as you, as you continue to push yourself, who are some of the folks who have either been mentors or just integral to your own 
growth and career? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, I think that there, there have been many, like when I, I think all the way back to when I started, um, I was fortunate enough to be on a graduate program in one of the best marketing companies ever. And I learned from a, a guy called Mark Watts Jones, all about like, um, you know, product marketing, really understanding the customer and all of that. And to this day, I learn, or sorry, I use what he taught me. Um, and that was very much in the product marketing side. As I kind of went through my career, I think at my last company, Intercom, like Karen Peacock as a leader was just the most incredible mentor and her balance of being empathetic and caring, but also holding you to a high standard and pushing you was like an incredible, incredible balance to have. And that I would love to, to I, I keep try, trying to strive for as a leader myself. Um, and then, yeah, like I think, I think generally speaking, as I've gone through my career, I've tried to like identify people I can learn from that can plug any gaps. Like, so when I was at AdRoll, I learned about sales from um, our head of sales at the time, Scott Giffis and Suresh Khanna, who was before him. And so I've always tried to like go through and just like identify who are the people I can learn from to become that well-rounded marketer. So yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to learn from. Love it. And, and then lastly, how do you, how do you stay balanced? How do you say like, what do you do outside of work to keep your brain fresh so that when you are at work, you're, you're able to give it your all? Yeah. Like this is going to be, a, this is going to be the obvious answer. I try, I try to exercise. Like one of the things about working from uh, home with the, the lack of like kind of commute and everything is I, I exercise even for 15 minutes, almost every day, pretty much every day. I think that's huge. Um, I used to do like play a lot of music and I've been trying to get back into that, but that's kind of hard. I've got two young kids. Last thing they want to hear is me banging away on the guitar, singing as they're trying to sleep. That would keep anybody up at night. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of those two things, I think, is good, good to keep you kind of sane. Very cool. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll have to recruit them into your band once they're old enough. <laughs> <laughs> they will not want to be in my band when they're old enough. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. All right, Shane. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun. I really am glad that uh, we took the time to have this conversation. Yeah, cheers for having me on, Elias. Uh, really enjoyed it.